0: Um, so a good praise report, huh? Uh, Rachel and, uh, Chris Larkin, uh, a young couple in our church, a young family worked with our youth. Their, uh, baby Amara uh, was not gaining weight and uh, it was not good. And so, um, we went to praying as a church and this testimony came in it says, Amara has gained over a pound in nine days. <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> She's been taking bottles amazingly and is making up for lost time. We are praising God for the success. Thank you, everyone, for your prayers. We've got one healthy baby, small but mighty. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, answer prayers. Well, welcome, everybody. Those of you who are here for the first time, my name is John. I'm the lead pastor at the Gathering Place Church. Welcome, online community. We're going to get into the Word of God again today because the Bible says that God sent His Word and it, the Word, healed them. How many of you need some healing today, encouragement today, all right? That's what the Word of God does under the anointing is it heals, it saves, it delivers. So here we go. Um, how many of you have ever been to an award ceremony, right? Maybe you received an award. Maybe it was a trophy for sports, maybe a student of the year. Uh, for a class or something, or maybe it was a medal or a patch or a bonus or a raise at work or some kind of, um, you know, um, commendation. Feels good, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good? Come on, just be honest, right? I mean, it, it, it represents tenacity, hard work, determination, courage, vision, stick to and you get rewarded for it. You get awarded for it. Or parents, I mean, how proud does it make us? when our kids get those awards, right? You put the bumper sticker on your car that basically says my kid's better than your kid is really what that is saying, right? Yeah. Or you're living your dreams through your kid. So you put the bumper sticker on, but it's really about you, not about them. And some awards are more amazing than others. Like our son, Sam, he didn't know that I was going to spotlight him this morning, but that's what you get for being a preacher's kid. And, uh, so we get my hope and I got called to the high school to be part of an award ceremony, but they don't tell you what your kid's getting an award for. So we had no idea. Uh, now for those of you that know our son, Sam, we adopted Sam from Vietnam when he was uh, 15 months old. He was only two pounds. Um, he, uh, had a hemangioma tumor, um, that was incurable in on that side of the world, he came over here and all the specialists said that he will never have a sense of humor he will never have empathy. Yeah, everybody laughs because he's such a charmer. That uh, he, will not, he will not have uh, interaction. We just threw him into the mosh pit with our other five kids. And amazingly, this kid just became uh, one of the most beautiful human beings you can ever meet. Uh, that's why the Bible says God takes the solitary and puts them into families. You and I were not designed by God to live in isolation. We're designed to live in community. That's why church is so important. So get your butt back in church online community. Okay, so... <laughs> So we go to this award ceremony and we're sitting there going, I wonder what he's going to get. Well, they called him up for the student of the year for math three and yeah, huh? And hope and hope looked at me and she said, that is a miracle. It really is a miracle. Then he got called up for another award later. We had no idea what this was about. And this is when it just gets bizarre when God just does what God's going to do. He got student of the year for aerobics. <laughs> Hope and I did not know what to think about that one. We didn't even know he was in aerobics or why. But you know, it's going to be absolutely more amazing than that is your award ceremony in heaven did you know that there is an award ceremony awaiting you on the other side for some of you this is news but the gospel is replete with this revelation so many of us are living life on this side of heaven either not knowing about that or we know about it and yet we don't live for it we're living for this life and that is a huge massive mistake and so i'm in a series right now this is the last message uh called three things will stop you from fulfilling your divine destiny and that is you reaching the end of your spiritual race on this side of heaven busting the ribbon at the end of your race going into heaven and being celebrated by all of heaven for the way you ran your race on earth in jesus name can i hear an amen and so look at this amazing scripture paul talks about this because paul actually was caught up to the third heavens and he saw everything and then he came back down and wrote the new testament to tell us about it and this is one of the things he wrote to the thessalonian church when he jesus comes to be glorified in his saints to glorify means to shine light on something To glorify something like a like a mural and you put these lights on it and you're shining. Your life and my life glorifies God by the way we live our lives. By the way we treat one another. By the way we love our enemies. By the way we worship God. By the way we use our talents. Our lives on earth, the purpose of our lives, if you're wondering what your purpose on life is, is to glorify God. You are made in his image and as you live to the maximum potential, you are glorifying your creator. That's why there's no wimpy worship allowed here at our church. No musicians are allowed to play better in the house of blues than the house of God, Jerry. <laughs> I remember one time I was at a church and they were, the musicians were warming up and they were like, Woo! and the saxophonist was going, Woo! and the drummers, they, were, they sounded so good. And then they stopped to start band rehearsal for a worship. And everything got muted. And everybody's being nice and polite. I was like, what just happened? We have got to live our fullest for God with every talent you have, every minute of your day, every breath you breathe. Because it says, when he comes, Jesus comes back to the earth, to be glorified in his saints, that's you, on that day, the Bible has a lot to say about that day on that day that is glorified through the say these these next two words together with me changed lives say it again changed lives lives. did you see what we just read that is glorified through the changed lives of those who have been accepted who accepted him as savior and have been set apart For his purposes. The mission statement for this church is, in fact, I can say it in two words. It's changed lives. Has your life been changed by Jesus? Just raise your hand if in some way, shape, or form, in any measure, changed by Jesus. Mine has been completely transformed by him. That is how he gets glory. Set apart for his purpose. And to be marveled at. That Jesus... Ah, what a scripture. Jesus is going to be marveled at among those who have believed because of our testimony, Paul testifying about Jesus to you, that our testimony about Jesus was believed and trusted in and confirmed in your lives. In other words, your life is the proof in the pudding that what we told you about Jesus being the savior of the world, your life is proof that that message is true. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? You see, the truth is you are in a spiritual race right now, whether you like it or not, or whether you want to be or not. When you gave your life to Jesus, you were put on a spiritual track. And you are to be running your race full steam ahead. I mean, have any of you ever ran track or have you ever been to a track meet or ever watched a track meet? I mean, when when the runners are on the starting blocks, that's your salvation. And the... The gun is hit. That's when you say, I accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Bam! The race is on. And when you're running your race, you don't look around. You don't stop and take a break. You don't get distracted. Sports psychology. Stay focused. That's the difference between champions and non-champions. Is focus. What are you focusing on? And we're going to talk about that today. some people in a spiritual race in christianity are kind of like in the inner the grass area and in, in, in the in the field that's you know you got the track and you got the grass in the middle just kind of like walking around talking to your friends on your phone you don't even realize there's a race going on some are sitting in the stands applauding the professional preacher and the professional christians and you know the ministry leaders are oh yes you guys are amazing sitting in the stands you're supposed to be on the track running your race it's your race you have to run your race because you are going to meet your king on that day and you are going to receive awards for your service to the king while you're on the planet in fact look what paul the apostle paul says to the uh, corinthian church isn't it obvious that all runners on the racetrack keep on running to win but only one receives the victor's prize everybody say the victor's prize Yet each one of you must run the race to be victorious. A true athlete will be disciplined in every respect, practicing constant self-control in order to win a laurel wreath that quickly withers. Friday night, my wife and I and mother-in-law and my daughters went to an awards ceremony at the high school, Ramona High School. And our son, Josiah, actually won a laurel wreath. Isn't that great how God sets up my illustrated sermons? It was already in my notes. (laughs) Sent my notes off to the tech team on Thursday. And a laurel wreath was the point. And then I got a laurel wreath the next night. The Lord is speaking to you and I. And look what they said. Look at the Apostle Paul says about the laurel wreath that the um, Olympians would get in the first century when they would win a race and they would be have a laurel wreath placed on their head as Josiah had placed on his head Friday night at the high school. Sorry, Josiah, but here's what the Apostle Paul says about this. It quickly withers. He got this Friday night, and Miss Brenda said, you know, you better put that in the refrigerator if you're going to use it on Sunday morning because it is going to start withering and dying. This is what happens to our glory on the earth. It's temporary. I had to put this laurel wreath in the refrigerator so it would not start to die and wither before i could use it today as an illustrated sermon the bible says the glory of man is like the grass of the field here today gone tomorrow it says your life is like a vapor but he who does the will of god endures forever we've got to understand that this life is so short and so temporary and everything we do on this side of heaven counts on the other side this may not mean much to you today but it will mean a lot to you then that's why i'm preaching to you today so that it can mean something to you today because that day's coming he goes on to say this but we run our race everybody say this last part of the scripture with me out loud come on with gusto but we run our race to win a victor's crown that will last forever Now, the last couple of weeks, I've shared with you two things. Can you grab me one of those waters there? Just toss it to me. You played softball in high school, right? There you go. No? What'd you play? Nothing? Aren't you glad I brought this up? You didn't even get a laurel wreath? Oh, man. I'm sorry. But you got a victim's crown in your future. Yeah, as you, as you serve our church by being our photographer, yeah, see, using your gift for His glory, aren't you? Yeah, in fact, your pictures are on our website and all the stuff you've done. Thank you so much for that. Um, so, I've been talking about three things that will stop you from reaching the end of your race. One of them, and I'm going to do these quickly because I've already taught on these first two points, but I'm going to recap them real quick. One of them is not not uh, realizing they are. It's going to be a difficult race not factoring in the level of difficulty this is not a a a sprint this is the 800 meter hurdles this is the christian race there are hurdles and obstacles and it's a long race and if you don't realize that there's going to be a whole lot of trials and suffering and opposition you're going to be asking god why And it's going to waste a whole bunch of your time and energy trying to answer the question, why God? Why is this happening to me? And I've already preached on this. That is an endless dark pit you do not want to fall into. The better question than why God is what do you want me to do now? That's an empowering question. And the Lord will partner with you in that, give you wisdom. He'll give you strength. He'll give you grace. And He will help you move forward To be effective for him in the kingdom of God while you're here on the earth rather than wallowing in the wire. Why? You don't want to sit, soaking sour on the sidelines of your spiritual race because you've hit some hardships. Jesus said in this life, you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So you stay close to Jesus and you win your battles. Secondly, not forgetting the past. This is another obstacle. This is the second thing I preach. The second thing that will stop you from reaching your divine destiny is not forgetting the past. I'm not talking about the facts of abuse and misuse and being mishandled, your personal shame and failures of your sin and all that, not forgetting the facts that, you know, Jesus didn't say, get a lobotomy. It just says, forget about it. Everybody say, forget about it. Forget about it. All right. If you don't forget about it last week, I had a hundred pounds of sand on my back that the big sandbag, if you weren't here. And it was the weight of past experiences that weigh, weigh you down. Could you imagine somebody on a track? A team get into the starting block and they have a hundred pound bag of sand on their shoulders getting ready to run the race do they have any chance of winning the race let alone probably even finishing the race there's no way they would get so weary they would collapse on the track you can't live life carrying your past on your back you've got to give it to jesus and that today though i'm going to hit the third and the last thing that will stop you from fulfilling your divine destiny and busting your ribbon at the end of the race and that is not focusing on the goodness of god this is probably going to be the hardest obstacle for you to overcome not focusing on the goodness of god we're talking about perspective today we're talking about the 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 tracks athlete that has got to stay focused You and I are hit with so much, forgive me for saying this in church, crap in life, that it is so hard to see the good from the bad. We live in a fallen, broken, hurting, nasty world. There's so much negativity, so much injustice, so much hate, so much abuse and misuse and pain. Just life itself is hard jesus said it in this world you will have trials tribulations suffering he said to the apostle paul i've shown him how much he must suffer for my namesake." it's just hard and so but if you and i choose to focus on the bad in your marriage the bad in your finances the bad in your body as you look in the mirror <laughs> and the older you get the more beautiful it gets wouldn't you say everybody over 50 just looked at me and went (laughs) the bad in your company you work for bad in your church there's bad everywhere if you choose to focus on the bad you are going to sink rather than focusing on the goodness of god this is not some pipe dream not pie in the sky thing i'm talking about i'm talking about the key they're getting through the valley of the shadow of death. You need a light when you're in the darkness. And the goodness of God is that light. Amen. So how can I focus on the goodness of God when I'm surrounded by such darkness and such bad as this pain and such? How can I do that? I want to give you three things. Number one, focus on the past goodness of God. That's where you start. Tell me God has not been good to you in some way, shape or form in your past. Somebody lie in church. Just tell me God has not been good to you. Let's start here. Did he save you from going to hell by dying for your sins on the cross? Anybody? Yes. That should be enough forever. Yes. That alone. I remember talking to Jeff Brown and I was talking about the goodness of God. And I said, what do you think about the goodness of God? He said to me, God settled that the day he died on the cross for my sins. Nice. Whoo! Jeff is preaching. Focus on the past goodness of God. Do you know there's an entire book in the Bible dedicated just to this point? It's called the book of Deuteronomy. Other other words, the book of remembrance. Why did God have such a thick book called the book of remembrance? Because he had Moses read it to the children of Israel over and over and over and over. What was in that book? All the miracles God had done for them in the past why was that so important because god was taking them to the promised land he was taking them into their future of blessing it's the same with you but they were going to face giants they had never faced before you're going to face giants and obstacles in your future that you think you face big stuff you got big stuff coming life is full of trouble sorry jesus prophesied it before i did life Troubles, problems are never going to go away. I used to be under that uh, false conception that once I fix this relationship, once I get my finances in this place, once my kids, you know, get adjusted and they start obeying us, you know, once, <laughs> once I get this problem mind out, it's smooth sailing from here. anybody ever been under that delusion before? Yeah, I got one person telling the truth in church two, three, right? Yeah. When I first started, you know, pastoring, I was like, oh man, as soon as we get this problem solved, church is going to hum, baby. It's going to just be smooth. Oh my God. I've been pastoring 35 years and that has never happened. You solve, it's like, it's like that game, you know, where you, you hit a whack-a-mole. Is that what it is? The whack a moles, right? You got that problem, then a problem pops over here. You hit that problem, pop, up, right? That's life and it will never stop. And so rather than focusing on the moles that are popping up, you got to look back At what God has done. He split the Red Sea for them. That's a pretty big miracle. He plagued Egypt with 10 plagues. And set them captives free after 430 years of slavery. That's a pretty big miracle. He split the Jordan River wide open. So they could walk through it on dry ground. That's a pretty big miracle. And so the book of Deuteronomy is a book of remembrance. And he says this. In the book of Psalms talking about this. For he issued his laws in Jacob, he gave his instructions to Israel, he commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children. So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So what's God want want us to do with our children and our grandchildren? Teach them about the goodness of God. Tell them how God answered your prayers. I'm writing a book right now, and I'm putting as many God stories of our family's history in that book as I can possibly cram in there. And honestly, I have to say this, and I'm not over-preaching. There are too many stories to put in the book. Now, right now, we're facing our Goliath. We're facing the biggest trial of our lives. And yet, where am I drawing my faith from? I'm going back to what God has done in the past. I'm remembering the answered prayers and I'm drawing faith from those answers of prayers for our current mountain that we're facing. You need to do the same thing. And I'm writing it so my children have a record of what God has done in our lives. And they can pass it down to their children to have... And that they can have their own stories. Why? Why? Why is this so important? Look at this. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Every generation... Is going to have to choose to trust god where are they going to get the faith from to face their giants from your stories man god delivered my mom and my dad god answered their prayers i watched them believe god and i watched god answer their prayers that's my god too so each generation should set its hope anew on god watch this not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Oh, now this, this is nasty. This is what happens if you don't, then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. That's what happens to an individual or a generation that does not remember the past goodness of God our hearts get stubborn rebellious and we're unfaithful to god and we will not give our hearts to him because we don't trust him because all we see is bad all we see is unanswered prayer and we don't trust Him, so we pull our hearts back that's why it's so important to remind our children of the past goodness of god can I hear an amen, amen. All right, that, was the, that was worth the price of admission right there here's an example though of a generation who did not remember take for example it says in the book of psalms the sons of ephraim though they were all equipped warriors each with weapons they were the army of god they get a win every battle because god's with them they're in battle they're ready to go here we go god's people when the battle began they retreated and ran away in fear why would god's people run away in fear from a trial says it right here they didn't really believe the promises of god they refused to trust him and move forward in faith why they forgot his wonderful works and the miracles of the past isn't that an amazing scripture it's right there in our face so you see moses reading the book of deuteronomy The book of remembrance to the people of God. Remember how he did the 10 plagues. Remember the Red Sea. I mean, you know, they had all these miracles. Waters out of a rock. Quail falling from heaven. Bread coming out of the ground. Let's go take the land. They sent 12 spies in there to check out the land. 10 spies come back. And they say, oh, we can't take the land. There's giants in there. These giants are bigger giants than we've ever dealt with before. But there were two guys, Joshua and Caleb, saying, shut up don't do that remember remember our God remember what God did but the ten spies shut him down with fear doubt and unbelief and spread fear throughout the whole congregation and they would not move forward in faith because they did not have faith because they did not remember the past goodness of God they weren't meditating on the past goodness of God Joshua and Caleb would meditate the word We know this from their life and what the Bible says about them. They spent time in the presence of God. When Moses and God would meet and then God would lift and Moses would leave the tent, Joshua would go hang out in the tent just to be where God's presence was. They saturated themselves in God. So when they saw a giant, they weren't looking at the giant, they were looking at their giant God. You might say, well, yeah, man, if I had... God do all those miracles in the past, I would have had faith too. Well, are you? Are you believing God right now for what you are facing? If not, dig into the past and remember the past goodness of God. Number two, focus on the present goodness of God. This is even harder because when you have negativity, pain, suffering, bad things in your face, that's all you can see. You feel it, your emotions, your mind's going crazy. The fear, the doubt, the unbelief is bombarding your soul. It is so much harder to see the goodness of God when it's right in front of you. But it is critical for your emotional mental, physical, and spiritual well-being to focus on the goodness of God. Do you know that God's goodness is all around us all the time? Like we live in a God-saturated world. You have to choose to find it, but it's there. My wife and I were driving down the mountain to her radiation treatment on Friday or Thursday this past week. She is in a whole lot of pain and we we're driving down to get the cancer that they had found on her bones radiated and we're driving down and i said to her let's talk about the goodness of god in our lives and there was just silence in the car for a couple of minutes because we are so aware of the pain and the suffering That it has to be a choice to focus on the goodness of God. I said, I'll go first. I talked about you guys, actually. I said, We have some of the most amazing people in our church. And I started naming people and how what good people they are. And then she went, and then I went, and then she went. And then I went. We did it all the way down to the medical center. It was a 45 minute drive. And it became easier and easier and easier. The light just began to break. We started realizing how blessed we are. What does it do when you focus on the bad? I'm gonna ask you this question. This isn't a rhetorical question. I'm gonna ask you what happens when all you do is focus on the negative? Your coach, your sports team, your teachers your class, your business, your boss, your coworkers, your kids, your parents, your husband, your wife. If all you're doing is thinking about and speaking about the negative, fixating on it, tell me what happens to you. Just go ahead. Give up. Ooh, give up. You're just going to get right to the point, aren't you? <laughs> all right. So he's out of the race. All right. He's, he's face down on the side of the racetrack, eating dirt. Okay. Phil, you're out. Anybody else? seems too big. It seems too big. You spread it to other people. Nobody wants to be around you. Just keep finding more negative. You keep finding more negative. Take you take a sharp, file down word with Phil. Anybody else? <laughs> what happens when you just focus on the negative? Depression. Depression. Hopelessness. Hopelessness. This is what I say. You will sink into darkness. And your thoughts and your emotions. You will sink in your expectations. You will start expecting bad and not good. That's the opposite of faith. You will sink in your influence. You're going to spread fear and doubt and unbelief to everyone around you. You will sink in honoring God. Because you're declaring that He is not good when He is. You will sink in praising God. Robbing Him of His glory. And yourself of all the good that comes from trusting Him. But what are the results if you choose to focus on the goodness of God in your life? You just tell me. Don't go up here. What happens when you choose... Now, this isn't fake it till you make it stuff. I'm talking about it's a choice. You're focusing on something every day of your life, the good or the bad, no matter what area of life we're talking about. You're going to focus on one or the other. We just discovered what will happen if you choose... Everybody say, choose... If you just isn't like optimist, pessimist, half a full, half empty, you know, that's true, but I'm talking about spiritual warfare. I'm talking about mental health. Yeah. You, remember you remember you're not alone when you focus on the goodness of God. Somebody else. You're uplifted. You have peace. You're uplifted. Speak you speak life. All things become possible. All things become possible. You finish, you get back up and finish the race, Phil. All right, let's give Phil a hand. He got back up. He's going to finish his race. Yes. This is what I wrote. You will rise in your relationship with God. It will go higher. You will rise in faith and influence. I was doing that. I was sitting in the car outside the medical center, and I'm sitting in the car, and I'm feeling sad, depressed, anxious, fearful. And I just felt like the Lord was saying, praise me. And I'm like, "Ah, man, that's the last thing I want to do right now is praise God. It's easy when you're in church, you got the band going and you're like, okay, I'm feeling kind of peppy. I'll get into this. But when you're by yourself, you're alone and your trial is in your face and in your emotions, decide you're going to praise God. That is hard. But I'm going to tell you, I've got more breakthroughs in my life by doing that than any other spiritual weapon. And I was in that car. I just raised my hands. I couldn't even raise them all the way because I hit the roof of my car. And I was right in front of the medical center and there's offices with windows and people in their offices. They could see me. I don't care. I'm praising God. I have my hands up like this and the windows are down. I praise you, Jehovah Rapha. I praise you, you're my healer. I praise your word is true. I praise that you are good. I praise you. See, I'm declaring who God is. The circumstances will tell you he's bad. And not to trust him. And that's Satan's number one assignment against you. Is to get you to believe that God is not good. Because if he was good, how could he let this happen? That was the first lie in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, hook, line, and sinker. And we've all been going downward ever since. He told them God is not good. If you live independently from God, your life will be much better. In fact, you'll become God's. They bought that lie. Human races bought the lie ever since. We just want to live independently from God. It's My life. I have my five-year plan. It's my retirement. It's my destiny. And it's all over. And then you're in heaven. You're like, Oh crud. That wasn't true. My life was to glorify God and God is good. Do you know God is good all the time? Do you know you can get a sunburn when there's clouds out and you can't even see the sunshine? It didn't even dawn on me, I don't know why, until one day I was leaving San Diego on an airplane, and it was a rainy day, it was cloudy, it was dark, it was you know, just, you know, drab. And then we got up over the clouds, went through the clouds, went up over the clouds, and you know what's going on up above the clouds? Yes. The sun is shining. I don't know why I never realized that until it happened. We go over the clouds, I'm like, the sun is always shining. It was a revelation to me. (laughs) And yet, did you also know that you can be at the beach on a cloudy day and get a sunburn? That 85% of the sun UV rays make it through the clouds. You don't see it. You don't feel it. But later you see the effects of it. That's the same with the goodness of God. The goodness of God is always shining on us. And the effects of his goodness will eventually be seen because he causes all things to work together for the good good to those who love him or are called according to his purpose. That's why the psalmist said in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord when when, when things are going my way. I will bless the Lord when all my prayers have been answered. I will bless the Lord when I think he deserves it. No, what does the psalmist say? I will bless the Lord at all times. times, His praise shall continually be in my mouth. As I was praising the Lord in that car, you feel stupid. You look stupid. People think there's something mentally wrong with you, which maybe there is. But... I'll tell you what started happening. The doubt and unbelief and fear started peeling away from my soul and my faith started started rising. I started prophesying to the building, declaring the word of the Lord, bringing out the sword of the Spirit. My faith was restored and renewed in that moment because I chose to praise Him in the darkness. I don't have time. Uh, I got some... In here, I really want to share with you. I don't have time for it. But let me just say this about, I can't go too deep into this, but it's the, it is the scientific proof of a person that chooses to focus on the good and be positive versus those who are negative. It's overwhelming. It literally changes the chemistry and the hardwiring in your brain when you choose to be positive and not negative. It releases endorphins, your hypothalamus, which which, uh, controls uh, the dopamine in your body. And your metabolism, your sleep, your ability to focus. Literally says that people from cancer to heart conditions heal faster and more when you're positive than negative. They've done tests on this. They put MRI, uh, they put people, uh, you know... They did uh, MRI on, on, on a test group, and they had some write down positive things for 30 days. Others, they had them write down negative things for 30 days. The other, they just write down experiences without positive and negative to see the effects on the brain of people and the activities in the brain, what lights up in the brain on those who are positive versus those that are negative are astounding. The parts of the brain that light up, I'm actually going into it, aren't I? It's just amazing. Increased activity in the areas of the brain that deal with moral and social cognition, rewards, empathy, and value judgment. Judgment. It affects your sleep quality, reduces feelings of anxiety and depression, less fatigue and inflammation, reducing the risk of heart failure, even for those who are susceptible to heart failure. In teenagers, I have a bunch of them, so I wanted to study this out. Listen to this. Being positive, choosing to focus on the positive, speak the positive, be encouraging, look for the goodness of God. In teenagers, it says... The feelings of gratitude have shown an inverse correlation with bullying, victimization, and suicide risk. Gratitude affects the teenage brain's function at a chemical level. It practices and promotes feelings of self-worth and compassion for others. Do you know when you choose to focus on the good, you're actually glorifying God? You know why? Look at what the book of James says. It says in James 1, 16 and 17, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. When you and I choose, I want to say this again because I'm preaching to myself. It is so easy to be negative. Just wake up. I mean, go through... Okay, here's the challenge just to prove my point. Go through an entire day without thinking one negative thought about another human being. Democrats. Oh, what just happened? Republicans. Oh, what just happened to you? Women, men, cats, (laughs) old, young, black, white, yellow, green, rich, poor. We live in such a negative, fallen world, and we all need hope and encouragement, and that's what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be the salt and light of the world. If the world was not decaying, it would not need preservation, which is the salt. If it was not dark, it wouldn't need light. Jesus called us the salt and light of the world. And here's the final point. i got to move quickly. Focus on the future goodness of God. Focus on the future goodness of God. Look what the psalmist said. I would have lost heart back to Phil quitting which you're not doing now you got back up right okay but look at this i would have lost heart the psalmist says unless i had what come on say it out loud church i would have lost heart unless i had believed that i would see the goodness of the lord once i get to heaven is that what it says what's it say preach it church come on what's it say in the land of the living, that's here on earth. I would have lost heart if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord on earth. In the land of the living. Now, his goodness, it may not look like what you want it to look like when it happens. But it will be good, nonetheless. We have to let God be good. We, got, we need to let the Lord be Bring all things to work together for our good, even when it looks incredibly bad. If we will trust Him and give Him time. Look what the rest of this verse says. Wait on the Lord. Ooh, that's a tough one. Be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. When we don't focus on the goodness of God, we can be like the, the warriors of Ephraim. The back away in fear... Or when we don't focus on the future goodness of God, trusting the Lord is going to put it together for us, the Lord is going to come through, we just say, Move aside, God, I got this one, and we move out ahead of Him, and we try to fix it ourselves. Like Abraham, God promised, You're going to have a promised child, you're going to have a miracle child. He couldn't wait, He waited long enough. Clearly, that promise we heard, we misheard it or something. So why don't you just have a baby with our maid? And He did, and We've had the war in the Middle East ever since. Versus David, who was promised to be the next king of Israel, and yet for 18 years he lives in caves and runs from the enemy. Had to live in the enemy territory, running from king, the king of Israel, trying to kill him. His reputation destroyed. Character defamation, defamation reputation assassination, living in the caves. His congregation were 400 men that were distressed and debt and, and uh, discouraged. That was, that was the people he got to pastor. And twice, the king of Israel was right in his hands where David could have easily killed him. And his counselor said, kill him. The Lord's given you in his hands. And David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. I will not take my destiny into my own hands i am going to trust the lord i will not take control of my future god has my future that was serious trust and it was in the backdrop of the darkest day of his life When his whole town got burnt to the ground, his wives and his children kidnapped, all of his men's wives and children kidnapped, all their goods were taken, and the darkest night of the soul he had ever experienced, it was the next day he was made king of Israel. And he didn't have blood on his hands, because he did not take his destiny into his own hands. He trusted the Lord. Some of you need to trust God today like never before. Some of you need to start digging into the past answered prayers and remembering them. He's the same God of yesterday, today, and forever. Heaven doesn't have a limited amount of miracles. And if you don't grab yours, I'm going to grab them. I pray for a bunch of miracles every day for me, you and everybody else. Heaven is unlimited and we can unleash heaven on earth if we will have faith and not fear. Come on, let's stand to our feet today. What is it that you need to believe God for? Let's just close our eyes here for a minute. Let's just come to the Holy Spirit. Everybody needs faith. Some more than others on any given day, but all of us need faith. I want you to start thinking right now on the goodness of God in your life. Will you do what my wife and I did? Just do this right now. Close your eyes and start thinking one by one of the goodness of God in your past. So think about the times he came through for you. You're honoring him by doing this right now. I'm going to give you a moment to continue to do this because it'll it'll just start rolling. It'll steamroll. The goodness of God. Answered prayers. Do you remember when He came through for you in the past? Okay, now I want to do this exercise. I just want you to just shout out something that came to your mind. About the goodness of God from your past. Something he did. An answered prayer something. Somebody, just say it out loud. Healing. 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 What healing? Huh? Crohn's disease. disease. Liver failure. failure. Healed. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty good start right there, huh? (laughs) Somebody else. The goodness of God from your past. Yes, ma'am. Come on. healed her 25 years ago of terminal cancer. I'm going to have you pray for my wife before you leave today. All right? You already have. Thank you. We're going to Somebody else, come on, let's glorify God in here today. The goodness of God, something in your past that He did. Say.
1: Mark, Hey,
0: you just wait your turn. Mark.
1: always
0: with Surrounded you with people that love you. Gary, Oof. and yours was your and Kathy's breakthrough was like Abraham. That was like 25 years into coming, man. And you stood, you guys, you were faithful. And he came through in a way you never could have imagined. Nothing on your radar. Oh, if you guys knew his story. So good. Somebody else, how did God come through for you in your past? Back here, Kobe. He reunited you with your wife, 2000 miles away. You thought that was dead and gone. Not going to happen. And he brought her to you. I know his story. If you knew his story, you'd be like, wow. So God, so good. Somebody else. He gave you a new family. <laughs> Come on. Somebody else saved, our house. saved your house and, gave us a new house and gave you a new house. He did all of that. Save Saved your wife. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. That? Amen. Saved yeah. our to our God belongs escapes from death. Psalm sixty-eight twenty. To our God belong escapes from death, and you escaped death. Somebody else, another one. He what? He provided you guys a home in that beautiful God country called Ramona. Alright, one more, Mary. He's always given more than
1: enough that I can give to
0: others. He's always given you more than enough so that you can give to others. And you are one of the biggest givers I've ever known in 35 years of ministry, Mary. He just he will flow through a funnel. He doesn't flow through a, a pipe that has a cap on the end of it, my four no more. He doesn't give to that. He gives to people who are givers. And you are a liberal giver. All right. I want you to close your eyes again and I want you to think about right now in your life, the goodness of God. Just close your eyes and think right now, where's the goodness of God in my life right now? I'm going to give you a minute just to let the Holy Spirit bring the goodness of God to your attention. Okay, this one's harder because your problem is in your face. But so is God. So, someone, the goodness of God in your life right now. Just say it out loud His wisdom. His wisdom. Whew. Yeah. Father of teenagers, the father of teenagers. One of my goodness of God is right here. I thank God for my kids. I love them. They're so amazing. The girl got some pipes, doesn't she? Yes. By the way. <laughs> that girl can sing. I love when I'm at home and I hear her worshiping up in her bedroom like, ah, that's some heaven on earth. Somebody else. The goodness of God in your life right now. His steadfastness. What's that? His rest. Somebody else, don't don't be shy. We're glorifying God right now. This is praise, by the way. He gives you peace. A patient husband. (laughs) Ryan looked aside like, talking about me? I think she only has one. And it happens to be you. A patient husband. I love it. See, that's so good. You can think about the negatives of your spouse all day long, and you will live in hell. Or you can choose to think about the positive of your spouse, and I'm telling you, the positive just keep growing. Somebody else, the goodness of God. Five generations of believers. Five generations of believers. That is awesome. Oh, nobody's going to top that. But let's let's keep going. Somebody else, come on. Huh? Encouragement. He his encouragement. In your life. Yeah. He's always there to hang out with you. I want to say the Bible, I'm going to say there's a truth in life. People will hurt you and people will heal you. I want to say there are pastors all over the world, all over our nation, all over our city, who have been wounded deeply over the last year, year and a half, two years. However, the church is being revived. The church is brighter than ever. People that are in churches are there because they want to love Jesus. They love one another. And they are committed to the mission of the church. It's purer than it has ever been. And people of God have healed me. People will hurt you and people will heal you. You can't live in isolation. You've got to stay in community. Okay, so the last thing I want to challenge you to do today is focus on on the future goodness of God. I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Can I hear an amen? Amen. That's got to be your declaration. That's got to be your declaration. And it will be if you choose to focus on the past goodness of God, focus on the present goodness of God, you will then be able to believe that you will see the future goodness of God. Because God is good. Can I hear it? amen? Amen. Come on, let's praise. Let's praise Him. Come on, let's, let's, let's close out today with some praise.
1: I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. Moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing Of the goodness
0: this reminds me of we got to close up but I'm going to call the prayer teams up I'm going to pray for the sick let Jesus do some miracles in the the Bible uh, in the book of Chronicles these kings came out against Jehoshaphat the king of Israel God's people they were surrounded no hope no way out we are going to get completely demolished they called everybody together they said God this enemy is too big for us Your enemy might be too big for you. They said, but our eyes are on you. That's the key. And then the Spirit of the Lord came on them and said, you're not going to have to fight in this battle. This is my battle. And so what did they do? What did the congregation do? The leader, the king said this, if you will believe in the Lord your God, you shall be established. That means if you don't believe, you won't be. If you believe in the Lord your God, you shall be established. And if you believe His prophets, you shall prosper. And so they believed and they went out on the battlefield, which is where we are on earth. And they began to sing this, for God is good. Didn't look like it. God is good. They said it. They called his name. They texted him. God is good. His mercy endures forever. That's all they had to say. And God said, oh, I hear my name being called. Came down and wiped out the enemy. I want us to sing this again. You've been faithful. That's His name. Don't let your circumstances defy the goodness of God. You let your praise of the goodness of God defy your circumstances. If you have sickness in your body, if you've been battling depression, anxiety, that is like uh, panic attacks, um, sleeplessness, you're not able to sleep a full night through, these are coming to my mind. You just move on up here. You come up. A grief that you cannot break. Come on up here. The prayer team is going to pray for you. And let's sing of the goodness of God. Come on. We're over time. I know that. But let's just fill this house with praise of His goodness. And as we're singing of His goodness, you move out from where you are. Come up here. Let these guys lay hands on you. Pray and prophesy over you. And let's watch God invade your situation. If you've never given your life to Jesus, right now is your time to do that. He will completely forgive you of all your sins you've ever committed. He will breathe His Spirit into you and give you new life. You'll experience the peace of Jesus that you've never known before. If you will give your life to Jesus today, the day you die, you will be with Him in heaven forever. Salvation is a free gift. So as we sing this one last time, if you need to come up for prayer for any kind of miracle, please come. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to stand right here. You come talk to me. I'm going to pray with you. But let's fill this house one more time with praise of His goodness and let His presence fill this place. You guys are welcome to.